0: Oh, so it's um, it's been interesting because, you know, even in our groups and, and a lot of people throughout in recovery right now, like with this time, it, you know, based on the conversation, me and you were talking about earlier, just the fear and, you know, you don't think maybe you're feeling the fear but, but I think a lot of people are like, I'm just seeing it, man. Like people don't act like they're scared, but like deep down in their brain, like they're, they're struggling and they're worried and that, and that fear. And I think it's leading a lot of people back out to to using Would you guys agree. Yeah. I mean, I think regardless of what's happening
1: um, in like life right now, like everyone deals with fear to a certain extent, the whole populace does and especially addiction uh, like addicts and alcoholics, but then you compound that with, The mess that 2020 has been for most people and there's definitely a lot of underlying fear um but yeah why don't we introduce our guest um so we're live with big t tyler he's (laughs) been a awesome part of my recovery and dustin's and this program in general um yeah
0: he's my sponsor yeah (laughs) uh,
1: dustin's sponsor taught me a lot leading him to change (laughs) he's a member of our board of uh, directors um He's helped out like expanding the spiritual side of our program, introducing a lot of our clients to, uh, to the steps, the principles behind the steps. And you've been sober from everything and specifically methamphetamines for eight, uh, eight, eight, well, eight and a half
2: years, eight, eight and a half,
0: and a yeah. half years. Wow. Yep. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, uh, so interesting story. We could maybe start there, but, uh, so mean you met, let's see, he's coming up on. Well, almost a year. Well, over a year. Yeah, hey, look at that. Sandy, Sandy, Sandy Flores loves, your, loves that wife. guy. <laughs> your wife. Beautiful I definitely wife. love you, baby. Hello, Sandy. We all love you. <laughs> um, what was it, a year and a half we met? Yeah. Because it was in the spring. It's
2: about July, I uh, think. Yeah,
0: it was in, no. Wasn't it? No, it was like in the spring because we, I don't know. It was like in the spring because we, we had started the program. So, anyway... I had met Tyler. He came rolling over. Uh, he, you were he was looking for some help, like getting into the. He had heard about war and was looking for some help, like with his uh, like exercise and adding to his recovery. So we hit it off immediately, and then um, I asked him if he would help put the uh, spiritual program and like our the twelve step program and kind of run that program inside of our. Our 90 day recovery program and so then you and paul and and then we started that whole journey you know building the program over there in south ogden and i'll tell you what i will tell you what the war programs soar program completely changed when we brought the the principles of truth behind the the 12 steps and that whole thing with into it you know what i mean so Awesome. It's kind of just crazy how things work out. Like, I'm just, I just, I just get blown away. I'm, I'm actually just blown away. Um, I, I analyze the process that's happened since we've met. And, and I, I think I talk about this every week on the podcast. People probably just tired of it, but <laughs> you know, I just, it's just wild. So thanks for coming on, bro.
2: Well, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me be part of SOAR with you guys. Yeah. I'm really grateful course. for
1: that. It's been a fun journey. What do you think about the topic of fear and like, I guess in general yeah, or and what how see- it's creeping into your life recently or people around you that you've noticed or the recovery community or what?
2: Well, like I was telling you guys earlier, and I've told you before, you know, talking with a few guys that's, uh, you know, in the program that have, you know, like 30 plus years, you know, of uh, working the steps and working on a program of recovery, um, you know, they kind of just said. You know, with everything that's going on in the world right now with this uh, Corona stuff, uh, subconsciously, it's in the like the back of our mind that something's wrong, though it may not be at the surface. It's in the back of our mind. And so, you know, that's bringing up a lot of stuff in recovery, you know, whether it's uh, resentments, fears, um, being dishonest, that kind of stuff, you know, and how I've shared with you guys, you know, it kind of brought up, you know, some insecurities and some jealous issues that kind of just came out of left field for me. So I've really had to you know, work through that, them, even though I struggled for, for several months, you know, um, those guys in the program told me, you know, just, just keep doing what you've been doing the last eight years and, uh, and you'll get through it, you know, and it's going to be okay. Um, But it really has uh, affected a lot of people in the recovery community, you know, relapses are on the rise, uh, suicides are on the rise. Um, Just everything's just pretty bad right now, you know, in the recovery community.
1: So, you know, you got to stay the course and be vigilant and, and do your best. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, you know, one of the tenets or principles that we often talk about in the SOAR program and it's, you know, prevalent in the steps and, um, is just this idea of like surrender and, you know, it's like not about your will anymore and about like you living this selfish life. It's about giving back. It's about trying to do like a greater, um, greater mission, be involved in a greater cause and kind of like, you know, giving it up to your higher powers will. And I think that this, like, you know, all of 2020 and what we've all been through collectively recently is like a loss of control. And so like each of us in our own ways is trying to like, you know, seek control in our own lives again. And it's like, you know, it's kind of problematic,
0: especially for populations, like people like us. (laughs) Well, yeah, we, we've been trying to, that's been the whole problem, you know, uh, in my recovery is uh, i a perfectionist i want i need to know i need to control right. and now we're in this time when and dude i'm so thankful for the perspective i've captured just in this year and a half with with the steps and with my higher power because it's really I, for me it's really prepared me for this time i, I if i didn't if i didn't have this perspective i'm carrying around nowadays even though i do experience fear but I'm learning as I exercise uh my if I, as I compete with my fears and I re- and I and I believe that my higher power is going to help me through those fears and help me And that you know if I make the you know like Ty, you always say to make the right next right decision and I keep building my life on a foundation of health like I can handle it you know I can handle anything that's thrown at me I really it, but but it does it still suck? Am I still scared a lot of times, of course, you know, but I think a lot of people are. so
2: and that and that's the beautiful thing about working a program in recovery. Uh, and what I've learned you know over the last little while is uh, no matter what's happened, you know, we can get through it and and not pick up and 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 use our tools you know uh there's always someone in the program or working a program recovery that's been through it and gone through it whether it's death or or you know someone died of suicide or or whatever divorce whatever it may be you know so it's always good to rely on those people and and talk with them and surround yourself with them and see how they got through it you know
1: absolutely i think that's huge like relying on the group the advice the mentorship of people you surround yourself with like you're saying in any room or you know especially here at soar if you've got a problem chances are someone's been through a similar problem and that's what's interesting about all this is that like no one in recovery has been through a worldwide pandemic before and you know riots and just everything that's been happening and so it's like people don't know how to deal with it which is why like i think a lot of people are going out but there are people that are dealing with it right now we all are and there's people that are you know dealing with it some better than others just in the way that they approach life and carry themselves and not let them not let it like throw them off balance you know and I think that's the key is like you staying like you were saying solid and having this foundation of recovery and health and sticking true to these principles no matter what's happening yeah easier said than done for sure
2: (laughs) Well, how I dealt with it the last couple of weeks, I, I bought some Halloween candles yeah. and, I, and, and had, to, had to let my wife know, you know, like I might have spent some money that uh, I probably shouldn't have, but they're coming today. You know? okay. So
0: Those candles bring you comfort.
2: <laughs> yes, they do. And, and we're good. If the electricity goes out again, I got like hundreds. Of
1: candles. You got <laughs> light and a good yeah, in the house. Yeah, Absolutely. I bro. do that with things. I remember like two or three weekends ago, I was like sitting on the couch and I just left sore. And I was like, all right, I'm done for the weekend. God, what am I going to do now? I was like, how am I going to make myself feel better? I'm like, I know. And then I went on Amazon and bought <laughs> new like gym stuff. Like I bought new gym wraps for my right. wrists and knee sleeves. I was like, ah, oh, this purchase will make me feel better. Right. <laughs> right. This will bring my condition up. Oh yeah, for
2: sure. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, i watch people in early recovery, like people, uh, even people we're working with right now, you know, and they don't have a foundation of health at all. You know, they're standing on sand. Right. And so every little thing, you know, I mean, it's so much of early recovery is just learn as, I mean, just sitting in it and then, and just relying on the group and relying on people to help you see this different way of life. And then, and to, and you know, but if, if oh, if they can endure and they can, and just kind of sit in it and like, you know, all the bad things that are, the financial things are coming at them, the, I mean, everything that we all have dealt with, but if they, if they make it through that, like, but the, but getting them to not go back out in those first part, because it hurts so bad and they're so scared. You know what I'm saying? And they know that substance is going to provide them with that false comfort like it has. They've got that reward of that that comfort. Right. That, that it, you know what I mean? And I, I just, oh, it just scares. Me. It just sucks. It just sucks trying to see people go through that early part. How do you get someone to change their life and their habits when their whole
1: foundation is yeah. supported by that you know yeah. relationship to the substance yeah it's a it's a hefty task for sure
2: <laughs> that's why with some of these young guys that we have in store that are like 18 19 20 you know yeah. like really trying to plug it in their hearts and their mind that you know if they can get a hold of this thing now and, and learn some tools in their life they won't have to you know, suffer another 15, 20 years, like some of us had to, you know, to get to, to that certain spot. You don't have to let it get that bad. Like some of us do where right. living out of your truck exactly. in Salt Lake or yeah. wandering the streets in Ogden during winter and stuff like that, you know um, you don't have to let it get that bad, you know, but uh, most of some of them, some of them are going to have to go through that though, you know, to get to that spot. That's just, that's
1: just how it is, you know, um, it's yeah. tough. I say that a lot with because, you know, we work with different people in here, obviously different substances and different age groups. And um, I think that you have to approach it a little differently. So, you know, we just started our youth group back up, um, like teenagers that we are working with. And it's similar, you know, obviously it's like the same manual the same courses the same frameworks same principles but you have to approach it a little differently with teenagers yeah. and i'm hesitant to call it like you know the teenage addiction program because it's like you obviously you do get addicts but a lot of it is just they're you know f- they're front end they're front end Smoke, they're
0: on the smoking big, weed yeah
1: having trouble in school smoking weed drinking behavioral issues depression anxiety and so it's hard to get a young you know say 16 year old to be like hey be sober the rest of your life so you have to approach it like bit by bit. And like, why don't you just, you know, try this program out. Your parents signed you up for 90 days, see what this lifestyle can do for you and what this foundation will do for you. But, you know, I usually say that in intakes and stuff is like, no one's going to convince you to do anything. And like for the rest of your life, your parents aren't going to be able to keep you sober. School's not going to be able to keep you sober. We're not going to be able to, but if you try a little bit of diligence and just try to be willing and open-minded to this lifestyle, maybe we can show you something that will stick, you know?
0: Yeah. And stick. And, and, and then maybe, you know, you know, six or seven years down the road, if you really are struggling, like, you know, you can't, you wake up one morning and can't be happy. Like I say that a lot to these kids. I'm like, what are you going to do when you wake up one day and you can't find, and you, and you can't get one thought in your head that's positive, Right. which, which could happen. And it may be happening now like what are you going to do like hopefully you'll be like oh i remember what hawk and frank taught me and tyler taught me and i'm going to start you know i'm going to start going for a jog in the morning and i'm going to pay attention to my nutrition cuz i know that how to balance my hormones and that food is medicine and that and and i'm going to go start going to the gym and training i know how to deadlift and power clean like yeah. i got to start competing i can't be happy or i'm or or i've made something my thing now i'm smoking weed every day and you know that conversation with we had yesterday with those kids was funny. You know this whole weed thing. Yeah, the weed thing with these kids is like it's like it's good for you. <laughs> you know, like it gives you great thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps with my anxiety. It helps with my anxiety. That's the that's the thing right now. It's uh. Oh, I got anxiety. Okay. Well, when did you get in? When did you start having anxiety? Well, two years ago. Okay. Well, when did you start smoking weed? Oh, well, two years ago. Oh, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) You got anxiety now, huh? Maybe the weed has given you anxiety. And then when you get sober and you're not high, now I have anxiety. I need to smoke weed again. Right. It's that same thing we talk about. You know, the substance brings you up. And then brings you down to normal at the beginning. And then it brings you up and brings you down to normal at the beginning. And then it brings you up and doesn't take you as high and drops you a little bit below normal when you're sober. And then the same thing. And the next thing you know, when you're sober, you're flat. And and that still happens with weed. Oh, yeah. And all these kids think that uh, weed, oh, well, it's not addicting. Yeah, you're saying not physically addicting. But you crave the mind escape it offers. Well, I, you know what I'm saying?
1: Both. I mean, obviously towards the end, when I got sober, I was addicted to heroin and meth and there's no denying that based on what my life looked like. right? Right. But when it first started, when I was that kid on the front end in high school, a teenager, I was addicted to weed. Like, I don't care what you say. And it's like, obviously I have that experience of heroin, meth, all these drugs and weed and they, they're way different. But for me, I was still addicted to weed in that sense where, Pretty soon, it was like when I was high and stoned, I was normal, and then when I wasn't, I was just like, ah, "Where's the weed? Like, oh, I need to yeah. hit up my dealer. Oh, I need to get this other shipment in. I need to get high again." Yeah, wow. I remember telling this story last night. I was just talking with my buddy, and I—I I think my junior year, senior year, I had gotten three days off weed. And I was just going around at school to all my friends. I'm like, I feel high right now. Like, I feel so weird. Like, I haven't smoked weed in three days. Like, what is God? What's going on in my mind? These sounds, these smells, these sights. And it was weird for me to be sober three days off weed because, like, being stoned was the new normal.
0: It wasn't right, even being right. stoned anymore. That's just how I operated. Right. Wow. I don't know, man. You know, it's a, it, and you know I don't want to go on this thing some people are using weed right you know or the the older people and there there is some medicinal benefits but it I think it's making it, it your thing like yeah. you're saying
1: yeah. so it's like if your whole life and identity becomes wrapped up in like I'm a stoner I'm a weed smoker I do dabs whatever then that's like indicative of an issue if it's like part of your identity and personality has to do with the fact that you smoke weed <laughs> Yeah.
0: Right. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't work. It can't work for when you've taken it too far and you have the brain like we have, I can't can't smoke weed. I don't, it doesn't work for me anymore. And so, well,
2: I really liked what you said, Hawk about, you know, working with these kids, you know, we're, we're planting the seeds, you know, and then years down the road, like, Oh, maybe those old bastards know what they were talking (laughs) about. You know, Yeah. unfortunately they'll have to you know, drag their life through the mud and all that stuff, you know, but, um, would you guys say in with recovery, you know, a lot of people say marijuana is the gateway drug or, or alcohol is the gateway drug. Um, you know, I used to think was, was alcohol for me for right. the longest time, right. you know, even in early recovery. And then, you know, even, thought it was marijuana too you know because yes it does you know you you try those things and it does kind of open the door you're like oh well I tried these things and I can try some other things but um having a little clean time on your belt won't you say it starts with like uh with trauma neglect yeah. and abuse at home or, or sexual abuse those kind of things that that you know like with the stuff that I had I never really talked to anyone about that when I was a child you know right. so I kind of just buried it deep down inside and so some of the things I did when I was using were as a result of what happened when I was a younger kid you know so yeah it um, all
1: starts up here it's not like the outside substance that starts it you know
0: well so that's cool that you're bringing this up like in this this is like uh, have you ever known anybody that you don't th- that you're like man they just can't get sober yeah. like where you thought like like, I've literally thought, like, I don't know if they can get sober. Like, I believe that everybody can get sober. But and um, I guess where I'm going with it is, like, some people have experience in trauma at such a high level. Like, I know a, a, a guy that passed away, um, a guy that I worked with, and uh, this dude, he loved to go to jail. He loved, he, he liked jail. He liked being in prison. He could stay sober in prison. Right. He'd go in prison, got spiritual, found found God, like could just stay sober and he loved it. And then he'd come out and he couldn't stay sober, dude. And he tried and tried and it ended up taking his life. And I end up and I just the trauma that I don't know. He's I think the trauma was so intense that he experienced when he was younger that that how can you say that it drives me nuts when people a lot of people don't get it right like, but it drives me nuts people be like oh they just need to quit you know what is he doing with his life and blah blah, blah. we don't know what their brain looks like inside and when they take a substance and all of a sudden it just says we right here i am i don't i'm, I'm not hit by this trauma this substance is, as it blocks out this trauma. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And, and I know everybody, but I, I just made me think of that dude. And he ended up, he ended up passing away, but I, and I, I don't know, dude, I, that's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. Like I,
2: I worked with a guy that, um, we did like a, um, a eight hour fist step, like four hours on Saturday and four hours on Sunday wow. and, uh, After we were done, I looked at the dude and I was just like, you can never, ever use drugs again, like safely ever again, you know? And, uh, unfortunately that same guy passed away as well too, you know, but, uh, um, that's tough. Like I'm working with a guy
0: right now who, um, when you said that to him safe, elaborate on that. So like, like there's no way because of the trauma he, he, he'd experienced, you're saying he couldn't use a substance.
2: Yeah. There's, so there's no way for me or you or anybody in this room to ever use any mind altering substances normal again, like some other people can, you know, right. like some people can take a couple drinks and be done and be good. Right. You know, so he can never, ever safely use again. And that's what I was trying to get to get the point across to him is that, you know, ha, bottom line is you can't do drugs again, bro. You know what I mean? Or you're going to die. And that's some people exactly, on
1: the, the front end maybe are like a problem drinker, or a problem user, And they might end up just like we did or needing to be sober, but they're not there yet or their experience hasn't shown them. It's like that they're powerless over it or that they need to surrender. Right. It's like, Oh, well maybe I like, you know, my boss smelled alcohol on me at work and he talked to me. And so I'm going to stop drinking, but it's like that guy can maybe drink again safely for another year, two years, three years, five years, whatever. But then like somewhere along the line, they might not be able to, where it just turns that corner from, I don't know, whatever you want to say, problem drinker to alcoholic or whatever. But then there's, yeah, people you meet like that where it's like you've had enough experiences that it's black and white. You (laughs) clearly aren't at the point where you can ever safely use a substance again. Like you. (laughs) I want to jump in here real quick and say hi to
0: Deb. She's watching from Scotland. Oh, nice. Hey, Deb. Maybe you felt like you didn't get more. Why do we punish ourselves so bad? We lead a life we don't really want to lead, but self harm still somehow. Yeah. I started and didn't get a choice. I was only 16 year old. Deb, thanks for watching from Scotland. You know, we love you.
1: I think she brings up a good point with like, didn't have a choice and like, why do we still do it when we know it's so bad? And that's like one of the things that defines this problem of addiction or alcoholism, however you want to put it, is that we're using against our own will, right? (laughs) Well, some
0: people too, you You don't get a choice. That made me think of like, uh, that made me think of, You know, I've met people who didn't have a choice. Their parents got them into a substance at a young age. Like what, you know, that. I know this guy's,
1: his dad shot him up with meth when he was eight years old. Yeah. How do you have a choice at that age? Right. It's forced upon you.
2: Well, and it's not like we, as we're, we're children and growing up, it's not like we're all right, I'm going to grow up to be a a homeless junkie on the streets. You know what I mean? But now having being in recovery a little bit and looking back, like, unfortunately, everything had to happen that way, yeah. you know, so I could get to the spot I'm at now and be the person that I am now. Unfortunately, yeah, I drugged every th- everybody through the mud and hurt them and, and and all that kind of stuff. But today, you know, we're more closer because of it, and 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 we love each other a lot more. But it's it's like, yeah, I, I didn't, you know, I had I had dreams and hopes and plans of of, of doing other things and went down that went down that road you know so um it's it's tough it's tough like like i'm working with a a guy right now who uh he'll get some clean time under his belt and then six nine months uh he'll he'll relapse but every time he relapses um he goes right into psychosis you know and so um it's crazy to think how, how powerful, you know, addiction and alcoholism is and that obsession and the allergy, even though, like we're just talking about, even though he knows in his heart that every time he does that, he goes right into psychosis and paranoia. Right. That I'm still going to go do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, which is, it's, it's, it's baffling is what it is, you know, and, and we've all been there before.
1: It's cunning, baffling, powerful. Yeah. That's why it's a problem. It seems like an obvious point but i like bringing it up because it's like you're talking about people that say oh just quit just put it down whatever if it was that easy you wouldn't need Soar. we wouldn't need this podcast you wouldn't need 12-step groups you wouldn't need aana you wouldn't need treatment centers right if it was just a problem where you just make a decision oh i'm just gonna stop right that's like what defines it being an issue (laughs) So, so Deborah put train spotting here. Yes, that is a, that is a horrible,
2: horrible movie. I've watched that movie many times when I was out there using and, and, you know, I'd have some brief moments of, you know, I wouldn't say clean time, but you know, where you're drinking and just trying to smoke weed and you watch that show. And then next thing you know, you're out the door and, and pulling, pulling the plunger back and it's over. You right. know what I mean? Without even a moment of thought, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very it's very good show and a and a horrible show all in the same sentence. You know,
1: (laughs) I like what you were saying about when you're talking about the gateway thing. You know, people discuss that. You know, whether weeds the gateway drug or alcohol or cigarettes or whatever. And it's funny having those discussions. But helium, yeah, helium, exactly. (laughs) Whippets, yeah. But I, I, look at it like all those things are like on the surface, obvious gateway drugs for most people, because someone that ends up a heroin addict is going to start by smoking weed. You know, you don't just start when you're 15 years old, your first thing you've ever done is I'm going to shoot heroin. You're going to start by all oh, the party scene or drinking with my friends out of the parents' liquor cabinet or smoking weed. And then it doesn't mean that that's always going to lead to that. But for people that like us, that it does lead to, obviously that's how it starts. Yeah, but the underlying thing with all this, like you said, is you know trauma, and that's super common. It, depending on what case study you look at, it's somewhere between like 85 to 95 percent of people with addiction right. have some sort of trauma in their lives. And it's however you define trauma. Trauma can be like something as serious as the dad shooting his eight-year-old up with meth, to abuse, to sexual abuse, to it can be your dog died when you were a little. And that's traumatic. And, like, you can't define trauma for any one person. Right. It's how you handle it, wow. right?
2: Right. Parents get in a divorce at a young yeah, age. that's that traumatic. Kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah I've sure. been thinking
0: about, like, the social. Like, some people are bo- born uh, not able to be as, like, they don't have the ability to – they struggle with the ability to communicate. Yeah. Like, they don't feel comfortable in social interactions. They don't – and and that has been me. Like Me too. Yeah, probably, like, would you say – it, that it's pretty common. then, then I remember the first time I would take, I took opiates or Adderall or amphetamines. I I'd take those pills and I'd be like, I wanted to be around people. It
1: allows you to I come wanted, out and play. I
0: wanted, yeah. I wanted to go to the family party. Let's come on. I'll talk to my grandparents. I want to, I want to, I'll call you back. I'll call, you know, you called Oh, before I take the pills. I see someone calling. I say, are they mad at me? God, I don't want to answer this, dude. Like, why did they call? Like and then I take a couple pills. I'm calling Tyler back. Right. Like let's let's do this. You know what I'm saying? And so I see the, that a lot the, with drinkers just the, the social yeah. side of of being a substance abuser. You know, I, yeah, the party scene, going to the bar. You know, I don't. I, you go to the bar. I I I'll, everyone's my best friend at the bar, and I don't have no problem talking to anybody yeah so then that becomes the reward like dude i suck at being social and i feel awkward and most that's not a good feeling to feel awkward oh yeah you know what i'm saying and now people take a substance that says oh you're not awkward anymore and people like you you know i have
2: arrived yeah you know what i mean like trying to trying to fit in in junior high and in high school you know trying to fit in with the the certain crowd and then and then, you know, you get into the one crowd and you start, you know, marijuana and drinking and right. stuff. And you're like, you start to socialize. These you are know my what people. I mean? Yeah, life. absolutely. You know, you start to socialize. You start to have more confidence in yourself. You know, you uh, start doing a little methamphetamines and start, you're a big old badass, you know, you and walking through high school and stuff like that. You know, uh, thinking that you're king. Yeah. shit, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and you can just talk to anybody, you know. Uh, That's, that
0: sucks, man. Right. I don't know how to help these kids. So I jump in real quick again. and Say, hey, what's up, Australia, UK, California? Thanks you guys for watching. This is the Sore Podcast that I told you about. That's every Saturday at eleven o'clock, here at the School of uh, Addiction Recovery. Thank you.
1: I like what you were saying about like the phone call, and you're like, oh, I don't want to answer. But as soon as you pop a couple pills, like you know. I'll call them back. And I've, I've noticed that recently with clients or people that I'm working with, you know, that's one of the tools we tell people to lean on is the group and hey, like send a message on crew to all of us or call someone when you're struggling. But you know, there's certain people that I only get a phone call for them when they're drinking or something. And so like, they start getting chatty. I'm like, Hey, did you get something to drink? Are you drunk right now? They're no, no, I'm just calling just let you know how I am. And then I'm like, you can hear the slur in their voice but then like when they're sober they'll never reach out and call you yeah and that's that same thing right oh yeah
0: it's the exact same thing i that was you know my like i loved every holiday you know with being i look forward to christmas yeah it's sad to say it really is i you know christmas day was with no one i had pills in my pocket the entire day every House we go to to celebrate Christmas. I had my, you know, thirty minutes before we go in there. I'm gonna throw a couple perk tens in the back of my throat and wait for them to kick in. I can't wait for. I want to be in this spot when they kick in. Yeah. And I want to be with around these people. I mean, getting that specific. Right. And and then you know when I got sober. Holiday, obviously, holidays are hard for everybody. You know, but because I think you, everybody kind of does that on holidays, but now Christmas, nowadays it's gotten better. Now Christmas morning is Christmas morning, you know, and it's, um, it's,
1: it's not about you and how you there, there. feel good. It's about how you're going to bring joy to your My family kids, and yeah. your kids. I'm yeah. the
0: one. That's a great point. That's all that was was selfishness, you know, and going back to the reward of these substances, which. You know i remember thinking that like when i'd be standing in a pharmacy getting my script filled or something and and be being being so excited you know i would miss anything i would not leave this place right here even for christmas morning yeah you know you know and and that's why that's why people can't get off these substances that i that you mean heroin and you know, it's, it's, it's maddening and almost just sad that there's, there's substances out there that offer that type of arrival into life and that, that falseness of that euphoria. You know what I mean?
2: Well, it's that, that sense of ease and comfort that you're talking about, you know, just even having them in your pocket, you know uh, you're, you're going to be okay. So now we got to replace, you know, that sense of ease of comfort with, with other good things in recovery, you know, like Like how you said about christmas morning is christmas morning you know you get to wake up and you get to be fully present in the moment and get to experience that with your with your family and stuff whereas before you know there there's always a time limit because i got to go run and get the next fix you know what i mean so you're not in the moment it's uh you know uh, dad's got to leave to go to go get high you know or else you're not even there for christmas you know so
1: (laughs) why don't you tell a little bit if you want to about like what it was like you at the end before you got sober because i know you had issues with christmas and the kids presents and stuff i think that that could be powerful to
2: yeah so toward the end of my my using uh i couldn't provide for my children like the last uh um two two christmases uh um had to have my family step in and provide christmas christmas for them um you know uh, i would i've i've taken my kids, uh, Christmas presents and, and, and pawned them and traded them off to the, the dope dealer for, for substances, you know, uh, which is, was, was very, that's very dark place to be. Yeah. You know, Um, uh, it's just, it's horrible to think that that's what I did, you know, but that's where, that's where, uh, my addiction took me to those, those dark places, you know, uh, and, uh, <laughs> I don't ever want to go back there again. That's so. that's why I do the things that I do now, you know, uh, you know, just like I've said before, sitting in the back of that Jeep and, and cold, lonely, homeless, and uh, afraid and didn't want to want to be without my children. Another, another year kind of got me to where I could uh, kind finally surrender and and sincerely reach out for help, you know? So it's
1: powerful though. I mean, it makes me think that like some people need, that gift of desperation or for it to get that bad in order to, like you were saying, be where you are now, because maybe if, you know, you didn't have those experiences of those last couple of Christmases where you weren't there and you were homeless and you had to, you know, pawn your kid's presence, maybe you would have just continued on being like a, you know, half-assed dad for 20 years which like could have been worse than you turning it around. And now you're there in the family man. And like, everyone loves you, you know?
2: <laughs> well, I remember, I remember going and working for like a temp company, like around Christmas for like two, two or three weeks and got like a, I don't know, like a $400 check, and, right. you know, and then, okay, I'm going to get the kids Christmas with this, you know? And then, and then next thing, you know, you've, I've spent, spent all of it on dope. And then, um, I have like, ninety six dollars left and I, ha- I have three kids like how am i gonna buy three kids you know christmas 96 bucks and then one of your friends ends up stealing your wallet and your money and yeah. then you're
1: like and you're dope
2: yeah yeah so <laughs> so now i have no no money or no no dope and uh you know i'm, I'm very thankful that my family um always stepped in to take care of of my kids, you know, I'm very grateful for them and owe oh, right. a lot of gratitude to, you know, my mom and dad and my sister, my brother, and just for them stepping in and never letting, I mean, cause you know, they could have easily said, well, just let them, you know, some, some families just let them go into the foster care system, you know, cause uh, they, everyone got busy life, but uh, my family came together and, and basically raised my children for me, you know, so right. Um, bear, Oh, a lot of gratitude to, to my family for sure. So it's a
1: blessing. It's so cool. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, I always thought if we could help people, if we could show people how to, I don't know if there is a way, I mean, there is a way, but like help people compete with their cravings, you know? So the, that craving you know i there were so many times in my early recovery where it's like okay you know i don't want to do this you know we just had a guy relapse just recently he'd put together uh seven eight months and he was talking about it and he just relapsed and he said he just went on he just had no he has no idea what happened he ended up at the liquor store he went on autopilot and, and drank and had this, it, you know, it's interesting, you know, what is that? Like, how do we, uh, they got addiction. That's that's alcoholism. that's straight, but like that craving, man. And, and I've been there before. It's like, I, I don't, I'm not going to pick up today. I'm not going to pick up today. Oh, oh. Whoa. I, I just picked I, up. Huh? I am going to go, God, but you know, and you do, and you, the, you respond, and you chase after that reward. You know it's you know there. You know it's going to lead to divorce. I mean, you, the the consequence could be divorce, and you you still want will do it. You still will do it. And people, you know. So, what do you do? It, you know, what do you do when that the thought comes in? And obviously, you got to act early. What do you tell people to do?
2: Well, I think with that, that indi- individual you're talking about, I think uh, like we've talked about before that, it, that it probably happened weeks before he actually picked up. Right. You know what I mean? So stuff started going a little, little bad in his life, maybe with uh, the marriage or the job or just being depressed or stressed or something right. like that, you know? So, um, and then how he, his answer was, I have no idea what happened, right. you know? So basically, but if you, if, but if you have some awareness and are able to track it back and be like, oh, I was, I was restless, irritable, and discontent for three weeks now. And then the broken shoelace syndrome, you know, you snap your shoelaces and then, I don't know, I just, I'm just at the liquor store already. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so, I mean, you got to, um, you gotta be aware of all these things that are going on in your life and, and, and reach out to people when, uh, when you're struggling like that to get over those cravings too, you know, and to uh,
0: prepare, to, to basically bring, keep your spiritual condition high, even when, it, instead of just for three weeks, letting it all pile up and then you snap your shoelace and I'm, I'm going out to hell with it. Like, I don't care. My wife's pissing me off. And then, you know, but, but facing them and, and, and staying on your meeting attendance and reaching out to your sponsor that's what you're like, keeping it up keeping it oh, all you gotta up to be aware
1: through. aware of what you're doing and what you're not doing but it's a trip and you're talking about how all of a sudden like you were saying he said it just came out of nowhere and yeah he doesn't i don't know i don't, what know, happened, I don't right. know why and it's interesting because like a lot of times you can point to something that went bad where it's like something an event that happened oh well i went to my friend's barbecue and everyone was drinking so i drank it's like okay that makes sense or this ha- I got fired from my job so I got high okay yeah that makes sense but for true addicts and alcoholics it's like there doesn't have to necessarily be a reason it's like living can make you want to get high like for like a true alcoholic right. waking up oh i want to drink oh right breathing i want to drink going to bed i want to drink my favorite football team the chargers win i want to drink the chargers lose i want to drink oh. the chargers have a bye week oh i want to drink And so it's like, that's the baffling part is that it's like, even if you can't point to a specific thing, you know, you have to be aware of your overall life and maintaining your spiritual condition to combat that. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, I can tell you what he did. He, he didn't use his tools that he's been learning over these last six, seven months at all. You know, like it just was non-existent. He didn't reach out. He didn't talk to anybody. You know the, the prior weeks, uh, I'm doing fine, doing great. Things are going going well. You know what I mean. When in all actuality, he was probably falling apart.
1: You know. But that's the problem too. Is like when things are going well. Like I heard him say, like, "Oh, life was great. Things are okay at work and okay at home." So like that's it's like a false sense of security or like almost resting on your laurels. So like right. you can't survive off the food that you ate a month ago. And the same goes with recovery and your spiritual condition. I can't stay sober today because I went to a meeting last month. Right. Right. It's this <laughs> daily reprieve and putting pressure on this lifestyle every day, even though like you feel like you're safe or don't have to. Well,
2: yeah. it's like that with your higher power of God, you know, yeah. things are, things are going good, you know, uh, you know, I'm okay. And, and I'm not gonna, you know, but when things are going bad, I'm, I'm asking God or my higher power for direction and stuff like that. But are we doing those key essential things when things are going good? Or are we still communicating with our higher power and God, you know, and talking to them when things are going really well, you know what I mean? So
1: it's a struggle.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been me, you know, uh, a prayer, you know, going into prayer, prayer has been a big, a big something I've been working on lately. Um, In an effort to to keep my spiritual condition high i've been you know you i mean tyler knows frank you know but the it's like the competitive when we get when i i get overly competitive in my mind or which is which can lead to resentments, or i set an expectation and someone doesn't meet that expectation i get resentful you know i and then i'm driving around practicing what i would say to somebody you know, and then I'm getting mad. And then next thing you know, it I have zero spiritual condition. I'm blocked like it talks about in the big book from, from my, and which, which ties into fear and everything. But this, this, since I met you and, I, and, and, and Frank, I hear Frank talking about it. This is, this is what I'm realizing has been my problem. Why I haven't been able to string together years and years and years that, you know, where I, I've always had my relapses was because of that, that I'm never more irritated in my brain than when I'm, I'm going from person to person. I'm mad at this person. And I mean, it could be my, it could, you know, the, the social media doesn't help. I mean, I've gone on social media before and every one I scroll up to, it could be my sister posting pictures of her kids. Right. Why is she posting that? You know, I mean, I can go from it, it, When you get in that mindset, I mean, you, you guys I'm sure have done it yeah right? where I'm resist- I am just negative towards a- and everything and everything that starts coming out of my mouth becomes this negativity and I am not there and and now if I let that go on long enough it gets pretty loud in my mind to, di- to take pills
1: well it shows you that at the end of the day it's not your external circumstances or what's happening it's your spiritual condition So it's like, I've even noticed in my own life, like the same thing could happen or the same situation. And depending on how I'm doing that day, or if I've been putting pressure on this lifestyle and trying to maintain a connection, like that's what makes the difference in how I react to it. So it's like one thing I've I've said before is that, you know, say something bad happens, like your car gets towed, my truck gets towed, you know, if I'm not doing well, I'm going to get pissed and my whole day is ruined. I have to spend all this money. But one of the times I can remember in my life when I was doing everything right and actually... Actively every day, trying to maintain my spiritual condition. I went surfing one time in California and I came back and my car was towed and I just started laughing and I was so grateful. And I was like, God, like, isn't this neat that like, I have a truck that can get towed. Some people don't even have a vehicle and I have the opportunity to face this situation. This is neat. You know, I'm going to go like, on a journey. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the, obviously it's not the situation. It was my reaction to it. It's the only variable there and how I'm doing inside is the only variable. Right. Wow. You know, I got, I got an email the other day and then, um, it was like, you
2: know, like these, these low, low jabs in a, in a, in a, yeah. in a, a roundabout way, you know, <laughs> and, and they've just been coming for weeks and I'm just like, so I, I go to hit reply and I had this, like, I'm just going to ream them like you know just straight just you know cut the shit and just right. and throw some real honesty down on right. them you know and then i thought i thought to myself you know the the best reply is probably no reply yeah. you know and deleted it you know said a prayer went about my day and didn't even think about it again after that you know what i mean like yeah. like and, and it was just gone you know and it and it's amazing that if that if i apply that and do that more in my life my life's so much better but you know like like I'm, I'm kind of slow sometimes. And so I
0: have to, yeah. you know,
2: like sometimes we forget to do that, you know?
0: Well, that, well, that, that's what I've been doing in my prayers lately. I, I've been saying, please help me to like recognize when I'm going down that, like, you know, like, dude, that's the text message or I, I get, and I want to send out a text and, and i draft it up and I'm just <laughs> oops, sir, you know, could be to my wife could, and then I say, dude, if I send this text, this is gonna make it so I am not a spiritual cat. <laughs> you know, oh, like I'm gonna be mad, and then she, then she's gonna reply, and then here we go, the day's ruined. Oh yeah. Sit back and handle it a different way because I don't. I, and and I'm learning, dude. That is how I'm gonna achieve long time, long term sobriety. Oh yeah. I am a better. I like who I am. If and then, when I start going down that road of. I, I don't know
2: the whole pause thing when agitated is it's the real deal. If you really practice it, you know, like, like sincerely, like really pause and take some time to, to think about things. And I mean, you don't have to reply to someone right off the bat, right. You can can pause and take your your sweet time and and deal with it. in a way that's going to help you, keep your spirituality and your sanity and all that stuff and not and cause the,
1: wreckage. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's just interesting. I think it's cool. The further along we get in recovery and sobriety, it becomes less and less about the substance or like the drugs and alcohol. Like I don't wake up every day thinking like, Oh, I can't do heroin today. You know, it yeah. becomes more about how we carry ourselves in this world yeah. it becomes more about maintaining our spiritual condition. How are we going to treat people? How am I going to react to things like, it's all about relationships. I mean, I love looking at things as a relationship. Like, how is my relationship to myself today? Yeah. How is my relationship to God or my higher power today? How is it to Tyler or to Dustin, to my family? Right. Yeah. And like just treating people like people, as like um, by themselves, not as a means to an end. Like, oh, what right. am I gonna get out of this person? How am I gonna get one over? You know, how so I get how a text, am I going to
0: show them them that I'm better than them? Yeah. I get you a text
1: know, I, don't, I don't like. Oh, how am I going to point out their hypocrisy? Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: how am I going to win this argument? I'm thankful for the, the recovery. I think it's recovery is so beautiful because of this. Yeah. What we're talking about, like trying, yeah. trying to act better and trying to react better out in life. Like. I'm thankful. It's, it's, it's the high, it really is. It's like, you're stepping into life. You're finally stepping into life. And that's like the high adventure experience. Like here I dude, this is sick. I'm handling things. I'm dealing with things. I'm sober. And then obviously comp, confidence comes. It's, it's just fun. It's and big. then the not using the staying away from the
1: drugs, the alcohol, the meth, the heroin that becomes just like a byproduct of what you're doing right i think like that's like the more i learn that's like how you get sober is not by you know obviously early recovery is a little bit different but like that just comes naturally and the the book talks about it right how it's like it's just a reaction to how we're doing the program and to our relationship with god and like pretty soon we find that we recoil from the substance like we do from a hot flame and it's like on no real active like thought or intention on our part it just happens because we're doing this and we're living this lifestyle and we're working on ourselves. And like, wow. it's, it's so cool.
2: So Danielle Colby, I just want to say congrats on six days, no alcohol. And then Ricky Lyles, sorry about your loss. I can't even, can't even imagine what you had to go through 25 years ago. Uh, Gordon
0: 113 days. Oh, nice. Wow. That's a Big deal. That is a big deal.
2: I was kind of working with a cramp here in the leg for a minute. I was kind of getting squirrely. Yeah. <laughs> I was like,
0: "Oh, I need
2: some more water and stuff," you know.
1: <laughs> Brian, what's, what's up, up Brian? I just saw Brian recently. A really? Few, yeah, like a month or two ago. Yeah. You need to come check it out, bro. Yeah. Miss you, man. I saw Brian in Idaho. Oh, it was really? Fourth of July weekend, and I was at Lava Hot Springs, and I like uh, s- he says hi to me, and I'm just like, "How do I know this guy? Oh, that's Brian." You're right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Make America surf
0: again. I want to talk make about make America
1: sober again. <laughs>
0: I, want to, <laughs> I want to, we, we haven't talked about it yet on here and I thought we just talk about it, uh, about, I want to talk about exercise for recovery, recovery, like physical exercise, which is a big piece of our program. Right. It's one of the staples of sore. Right? Let's just talk about exercise. Like, you know, we, so this morning, little, what we did for our group, it was so sick, like what a lifestyle. We, uh we came here we met with our group at 7 seven thirty. 30. we did a, a workout and the, our type of gym is more like you know it looks more like your crossfit gym i mean we got the racks and but we did a partner workout with our and none of us really wanted to train i mean we we're all just tired and um but we did a partner group part workout where we rode rode uh 80 calories as a partner then we ran 400 meters and then we did 80 kettlebell swings, so 40 each. And then we ran 400 meters again. And then we did 80 burpees, so 40 each. And then we ran 400 meters again as a as a group. As a, and we did it, you know, we just, we got sweaty. And then we came back and our moods were lifted, like noticeably. I don't know if you noticed, Every, everybody's-
2: Make sure to drink
0: water. I'm so scared, what was that? It's a reminder to <laughs> stay <Drink hydrated>. water. <laughs> yeah it's my robot life Uh-oh. telling me how to live. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, so we, we come back, our moods are all lifted. We're talking. And, and, uh, then we we're then the next part of the prescription was to go and read. And so we went to this botanical gardens down here and it was just beautiful river running right through it. And we all isolated. And we're reading our books. So we got our minds right through the exercise. We got our, our thoughts lifted as exercise does we were more positive and then we went right into learning and we were all reading recovery and spiritual books and it was interesting we were all isolated and we were all texting each other like clips of our books and what we were reading and we we're we we're all separated but we we're all connected with the text and i you know and then you know we did that for about 30 minutes and then uh, everybody had a prayer and then and then we came back and I just, uh, for anyone who's listening, um, exercise and creating exercise and your, your mind's dark and going in and, you know, whether it's jogging or walking and then tying it in with some reading and some prayer is such a beautiful little prescription of help. That is so simple that hundred percent of the time, it'll lift your thoughts hundred percent of the time.
2: You know, I'm so glad you brought up the whole exercise thing. Dustin is cause, uh, you know, so for several years I spent, You know getting my mind right you know and I never I never thought how I never knew life could be so much better when I when I'm my my nutrition's dialed in and I'm exercising and doing that kind of thing because I never did that stuff before you know I never had to growing up or anything because I was always involved in sports and stuff like that you know but early on in recovery you know I'm working on getting my mind right my mind right you know so it took me took me like seven seven almost six seven years to get to a certain spot where I'm like, well, I think life can be a little bit better. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm almost 400 pounds. You know what I mean? I'm not getting any, any younger. I need to maybe make some lifestyle changes, which, which I'll tell you what, just doing that has been the biggest struggle too, because I mean, just with, I mean, carbs and sugar is a whole nother addiction on its own, you know? So, but when I'm doing those things, when I'm working my program recovery, a hundred percent, and I'm dialed in on my nutrition and the exercising life is so much better. You know, that, that's what I've, what I've noticed. I didn't think it could be, I mean, it was good already, you know, yeah. in recovery, but it, it's, it's so much better when you're doing those, those other things too, you know? Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Think about how we like, that's what I love about this program is how it's like inclusive and balanced and how we pair it all together because, you know. I can go to a an AA meeting and see the amazing spiritually fit people but you know they're smoking cigarettes and eating McDonald's or whatever or you can go to a gym and see people that are super fit but then they're pissed and they go in the parking lot and yell at people and freaking go home and beat their dog and it's like well how are we going to like marry these like this lifestyle together wow. where it's like I'm not just spiritually fit but you know physically fit I'm emotionally fit, mentally fit. Like, what does that mean? You know, what is health? And it's cool. Just like trying to put pressure on all of it to achieve
0: like the optimum, optimal version of ourselves. Wow. The, you know, I see you've heard me say this before, but people come in here sometimes and they want to get abs and they talk all these aesthetic reasons. And, um, the thing is, is, the, the type of exercise we promote, like the stuff we did this morning was a short 30 minute experience. Most of our training sessions, long as they can go 45 to, to 60 minutes, but um, a lot of it's brain strength training. You know, a lot of it's like, okay, I'm very uncomfortable, uh, but I can keep going and you keep going. And then, you know, maybe it's interval training and there's a two minute rest, you know? So, so a lot of the, the stuff we talk about with people is like during that two minute rest, Working on gratitude and prayer, so you're walking around the gym, or maybe you walk outside for a second during that rest, and uh, let the sun hit you, and talk to your higher power for a minute. And Then you go back in and you roll, you know, roll 300 meters, 15 kettlebell swings, 10 burpees, rest two minutes again, you know. And what you're what you're really doing there is you're having the mind argument on the row machine and through that whole thing as you try to match your intensity from set to set. And then during the rest, you're going into a spiritual meditative practice, really, because the exercise pulls you into the present moment, whether you know it or not. You're, yeah. You are not – you cannot think about depression. You are not addicted to – you. cravings can't get you. Nothing can get you. All you're really saying is, dude, I feel like I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, But I like this because here I am. I, you know, I'm, I'm here for the first time all day. And then you go into the, and then when you go into that two or three minute rest in between sets, you, those prayers take on a different meaning. And the, the gratitude actually has a place to sit uh, in your mind because you're, you're so present. And I don't know, that's a, that's a very powerful practice. And, and that's what we do. You, you get the mind right through the exercise and, and, uh, anyone who's listening I challenge you to work let your let your let your brain let that exercise improve your mindset and then work on gratitude during it and and prayer and get some sunlight and next thing you know you'll be crying tears of joy for your kids and your wife and 45 minutes prior to that you hated life. Somehow you love it and you're crying and you're listening to Enya. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know, man. It's the same
1: concept as the sweat lodge where it's like, it's forcing you to be present. Yeah. And it's just like a cool tool. So right. it's like in the middle of a tough workout, I'm not thinking about like, you know, what I have to do on my to-do list later today or like, Oh, I got to go to this party tomorrow or I got to get this in for work or whatever. It's like, you're thinking about the workout and how much it hurts and how much you're sweating. And it's like, when we did that sweat lodge experience, which wow. we're doing again next weekend. Is, you in bro. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I, Look at that laugh, yeah. but it's forcing you through discomfort to be present. And that's yeah. a cool thing where it's like, all that can get in your mind right now is like this experience and the drums and the music and the heat. And it's like, wow. It's forcing you to be present, I'm right? I'm
2: living in fear on that one, Frank. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm very scared of that. I'm you always know? living oh, in fear. I don't, I don't want to break the circle at first, you know, like right. 10 seconds in.
1: Oh my God. You yeah. know?
0: <laughs> Oh, bro. That was almost me. Yeah. That was, that was almost, almost me. half
1: the people in there said the when same they, thing. When they
0: shut that door. Am of, I going to be the first uh, person to have to be, excuse me, I need to leave. <laughs> so what we're talking about to our listeners is we're, uh, we do a sweat lodge, a part of our program where we go in and, and, uh it's a native American practice and we go in and in, they put these rocks and it's in a teepee and they black it out. And we sit in there and there's three or four different interval sessions. It's, it's similar to training. I mean, it's right up our, it's my, right brain, up our alley. Brain I mean, you get training. uncomfortable in there. If they shut those doors, it's blacked out and you got to and your minds there. And then, after i settled in man i just started moving a little bit and then i and then i just and then i just got into it i was present uh, and i want that for you they're
1: chanting (laughs) they're like banging on the drums and you're just getting into it right dude it was it was a different lifestyle a different experience
0: it brought me it brought it nice spiritual poise to my system dude like that was a good experience i'm i'm excited yeah but. She's
1: seen Dustin before we went. The day before, he was texting me trying to get out of it. The <laughs> oh, same yeah. fear
0: thing. Yeah, I'm just same not... thing, bro. Like, I don't want to do this. Why are we putting this in? The... Like, I'm all negative. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah. Like, I got my kids' game. I, like, I can't
0: show up. And I was like, and I like press my authority as the founder of the program. Like, yeah. we're not doing this. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you should then, have just canceled uh, it all together to And I'd have been okay with yeah, that. You
1: know? And then he's the most but, grateful and positive person. Afterwards, after. afterwards, I'm hugging everybody. <laughs>
0: Dude, thanks for putting this together. And Frank, <laughs> can we do this Mike? every week? <laughs> 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 oh, bro. I don't know. Well, anyway, I love, I love you guys. Um, anyone that's struggling, we got our LT, his recovering addict. Um, his recovering mm-hmm. addict program, uh, recovery in your pocket, this, all the stuff he's doing on his shows, incredible, helping a bunch of people in the SOAR program, LT's part of our sort we, we just blended and, and, uh, we are able to offer now. It's, it's just re- cool how this has come about, but we're able to like all these, we have our program offers like way more support, uh since bringing LT and his program on board with us and you know we I me and LT we met he he came in and doing the soar program he's on his way to becoming a soar life coach and uh anyway we got a we got us we got some sick stuff coming out um really cool things we're working on right now this seminar becoming a soar life coach seminar really excited about. Cause our whole thing is, I mean, we're not nonprofit. Um, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually a school teacher too. I work at a high school and I work with kids. I teach health and uh, strength coach, but we're working on a program uh, where a student to coach model, and we want to, we want to teach people how to be a sore life coach so that they could go out and, uh, work with other struggling students in the school of addiction and and help them to recover and and have the tools to teach them to train in the gym eat healthy all the spiritual stuff with our hikes and our reading 12 steps and so that we can really make it uh you know spread our cause through coaches whether you're a coach in a recovery gym I mean, recovery gyms are popping up everywhere um and so like these trainers and recovery gyms, we want to be a resource to them that could come into our pro and becoming a life's coach seminar and teach them our, our, uh, our system, our gym course, our nutrition course, and our spiritual course therapists. I mean, th- we could help a lot of therapists with their individual therapy practices. They could come in and offer, uh, becoming a sore life coach as a part of their practice. They could be a sore life coach as well as a lcsw or whatever and they could know how to lead their clients into the gym how to teach them nutrition all our spiritual stuff you know so we're working on that and we're getting close we're going to do our first one in october um our first seminar in october a lot of it's going to be a lot of our alumni and uh anyone else wants to check that out but um lt's working on it where lt and i have been working on these videos we're going to have a whole online presence where people And the whole idea is to just create coaches so we can make it, so we can fight this war on addiction and have more competent coaches all over. You know, we got people listening from Australia and Scotland and who, you know, I don't know who knows where it could go, but we're going to give it a shot because we feel like we got a good message and a good program that we just want. I just want to give it away, you know, give, give our, knowledge and content and just teach people it and then we can all have a and you know, grow this community and hopefully one day it means something to be a sore life coach like dude you're a sore life coach you know right. it means something and that's the goal so thank you for listening Tyler love you man love thanks you guys for every, for sure. thanks for everything you've done for me and thank you and helping this thing get to where it's at and obviously Frank you know how much I love <laughs> Love you guys too.
1: Appreciate what's going right. LT on. Here. And
0: Jake, and we'll see everybody next week.